Well, hello everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk episode uh, 750. Oh gosh, I've written it down somewhere. Is it 53? I think it's 53. Yes, that's what it says on the on the screen. Uh, um, this is Music Technology Podcast. We talk about all things to do with the, the world of music tech, recording, performing, uh, studio, playing live, all kinds of stuff, live streaming, anything that kind of works uh, it, to... To that end and that ecosystem, so it's software, synthesizers, hardware, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and I wanted to just say, actually, before we start, I, I will mention, you, you may have seen uh, that, that the show is dedicated to Louise Spears, who sadly passed away. We, me and Gaz both went to her uh, funeral yesterday. Uh, it was a lovely day and, you know, obviously very sad, but uh, our thoughts go out to... Um, Dave and his family, um, and I'm sure um, he'll be back with us at some point soon. Anyway, um, so I wanted to say thank you, everybody. Uh, thanks to Wagyu in the chat. Obviously, we've got... Uh, for those of you who haven't been here before, if you've got a question for us in the in the panel, um, just type a, a comment either YouTube, Facebook, or... Uh, have I switched it on? Yes, uh, or... Twitch, that's right, uh, or IRC or the YouTube comments. If you start it with QQ, it means that it will show up and I can link it and maybe we'll get around to answering it. Although we do have a number of topics this week. I also want to say thank you very much to our Patreoners for supporting this show. It really does help and, and the entire channel. Um, while we do have show sponsors, uh, they are harder to come by these days. So if you want to see and support us uh, go, going forward, uh, it's much appreciated. I'll play this little plug just so you can... Uh, it's a little bit out of date. It didn't record a new one, but... But uh, I'll let you decide for yourselves. Hey, have you considered joining us on our Patreon? We've got a whole bunch of stuff there. In fact, there's quite a lot of extra content going to be coming up from our recent EMOM, as well as uh, the Backstage Tour, which I've already posted up. I know many of you are interested in that. We've got uh, Sequential Trigon Extra Sounds. We've got some sample sets from uh, previous reviews. All our stuff that goes up to YouTube is also posted ad-free, so you don't have to look at the ads, and that's at a basic level as well. So if you want to join us, uh, just head over to Sonic uh, to Patreon patreon.com forward slash sonic state uh, you can join us at 250 a month for the ad free stuff if you want to join us at the upper tier 550 a month an absolute bargain and you'll also get all that extra stuff and if you join us before the end of the show your name will appear in the end credits thanks for listening back to the show Oh, that's very meta. I, I, I introduced the handover and I think that works extremely well. Uh, looks like we've got kind of a low bit rate coming out of the building. I hope it's going to be all right. But uh, anyway, we'll soldier on. After last week's technical mess up, I'm hoping to make it a little bit uh, more slick this week. And I'll try and, uh, and do that by introducing Gaz in a sort of slick handover fashion because Gaz is our guest this week. How are you, Gaz? You doing all right? I'm very good. Thank you very much. And uh, happy to be here, of course. Yes, excellent. Well, Gaz, of course, uh, bass player and um, music technologist. Are you an, an occasional streamer? Are you are you streaming tonight or uh, or soon or via your YouTube channel? <laughs> um, I I oh, maybe I could do it tonight. Yeah, why not? <laughs> it's not a challenge. You don't have to. No, 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 no. I will do it tonight. I've been meaning to start back up, and I think because I'm on today, uh, I think that's a good a good reason to do it. And I've got bags of stuff that I want to cover. So, uh, yeah, I'll be on 8 p.m. GMT tonight. And uh, so, yeah, please join me uh, for the. I'd like to think of it as a bit of the the Sonic after show party. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a very reasonable suggestion. Okay, well, yes, please do. Uh, for those of you who kind of keeping up on these things, uh, I was just trying to have a look what we've got coming up. I need to get my screen up and I can show you. Uh, I've done that. Well, obviously, it's really um, sad news. There seems to be a lot of it about, but uh, sad news about uh, Ryuichi Sakamoto, of course, who passed mm. away. Not unexpected. I know he was an extreme. He was a professional smoker for his entire life. So <laughs> these sort of things are inevitable. Uh, in that, like a lot of Japanese people of a certain uh, era, you know, there's just smoking was a really big part of their lives. But Yellow Mag Magic Orchestra, obviously, the work he did with David Sylvian in Japan, and so, so much more. If you don't get the chart, if you haven't seen it yet, he did a performance of Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, just on the piano last year, late last year, so quite recently. And it is one of the most emotive and beautiful pieces of playing I've seen for a really long time. So please do uh, check it out and uh, listen to him and be uh, be thankful of all of his great work. But yes, sad and obviously, you know, 
all the people that he I met him once actually but wow. it was a very weird experience um but I, I, I maybe I'll bring that up a little bit later um uh and what was I going to say oh yeah uh, I was hoping to get the uh groove synthesis third wave review out before NAM and unless I do it tomorrow which might be difficult because I've really got to get all the NAM stuff organized as I'm going it may not come out until after NAM so I do apologize if you've been waiting for that but I can tell you it sounds really good um but yes, that's uh, I, I suppose that's where I was going. But yeah, um, um, so what what have you been up to? What have you got going on, Gaz? Anything exciting? Well, I, I mean, I've been performing. Oh, you quite played a lot Coventry, the... didn't you? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes, so we've got a little video about that that'll be this virtually this nearly ready. Um, so yeah, gigging under the bad, under my bad workman uh, <laughs> moniker. Um, really enjoying it now. I feel that it's um, it's something that I'm starting to fuse my normal performance self into <laughs> into into this. Ah, world. wise move, I would say, Gaz. To be honest, why yeah. restrain yourself? <laughs> you know, utilize your your you know that's your magic source that you know mm. you've got that lots of people certainly in the modular world don't have you know because they're just they're not built that way whereas you, you do <laughs> so you should use it you are cool and i think it's been like a journey which i mean many people are, i'm guessing tuned in will have sort of caught little bits of my my journey over over the last few years i mean i more or less started that modular journey in the, the first lockdown or thereabouts and uh, it's taken me places I never would have thought. But I think the key element there is that I've I'm starting. Well, I'm just really enjoying it now. I feel that I'm um, I'm able to express myself. Uh, so not exactly making complete sort of complete music um, is still quite fragmented. Um, mm. uh, my my approach is quite sort of I don't ever stick on anything long enough, and I do realise that is a bit frustrating for people listening. Um, when I perform with Steve Davis, that's one of the things that's really nice. I really enjoy working with him. Is that he uh, he likes to be much more zen and calm and evolving slowly over time, where I'm very very kind of scribbly and <laughs> so actually bring that together and and you get a, you know a good combination of things uh the um you know because when you get two scribbly people together you you, you kind of get like the performance i did with sam battle at mumno computer in uh, right. norwich recently um but but just yeah just finding sort of finding it really enjoyable and um at times really surprising uh i know that many of you out there are not hugely interested in modular and some you know many of you also are but um I, 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 it's just been really interesting for me finding a, a voice or finding a pathway that connects and uh excites me you know and takes me to places that i just simply would never have got to using any of the other means that i had prior to to that um, yeah, I can. I mean, I think there's a certain amount of uh, because of the well-trodden path. I mean, you must find it on the bass. You know, you always reach for the same finger position, the same intervals. Mm. You know, because it's a very familiar thing. I mean, as well as being yeah. fluent on it, yeah. you know, it's harder to stretch yourself when you're on a well-trodden path because you're. It's like that. You always sort of tend to go towards the. The, the yeah. destination that you usually do whereas with modulating yeah. sometimes it's just like oh my god i don't know what's happening you have to sort, <laughs> right. of, you have to sort I, of strip you know you have to hold on to a degree so you, you don't yeah. know where it's going necessarily so it's a different i have, to, uh, different I have to thank steve davis in a way for uh for kind of encouraging me to get away from using a keyboard when i started my modular sort of journey i was using a midi keyboard to trigger the sounds and that was kind of keeping me sort of connected to what I already was, and, and exactly what you're saying, um, the, the the scales and riffs and uh, that were familiar to me. Um, but when you get into kind of um, controlling waveforms, uh, you know, controlling uh, voltages and being able yeah. to sculpt voltages, it's uh, you know. It definitely takes you into different into different realms, but, um, but I'm, I'm I'm really interested in in music in applying music theory kind of things to modular, and I've got ah, a few modules. Okay, I'm exploring. Nice. So mathematically and system wide, so yeah, uh, yeah, and harmony, um, wow. to, you know, uh, and you know, um, like having really interest in harmony, and then modulating the harmony. Uh, 
using very, very slow LFOs um, mm. and trying to find ways to key change everything as well. Like actual proper, you know, proper <laughs> musical key changes. Really difficult. Right. Yeah, I can mm. imagine. Yeah, interesting. Um, well, while we're on the subject, actually, I should mention that uh, there's the EMOM dates, uh, which I'm trying to kind of do a little bit more. If you're interested in Seek, there, there are EMOM events all over the place now. And if you go to that page, you'll be able to find out what's coming up next. Uh, Wednesday, there's something tonight uh, at, at the Chambers Folkestone. Uh, there's also uh, another one, uh, which is in uh, Sowerby Bridge, uh, uh, West Yorkshire. So, yeah, do do check out that URL. and Because... Uh, the thing about the EMOM thing is, is it gives it's a, it doesn't all have to be modular at all. It can be you could just be oh. you and a, an effects pedal and, and a synth you like. You know, there's lo and we find it really does encourage you. Speaking of which, we will actually be bringing up um, we're working on our next uh, EMOM. And if you're interested in performing, uh, go to uh, actually I'll post this in the chat links because it's probably easier. This is the link to uh, oh I, I haven't oh, hold on HTTP. I'll type it in because I should have actually made it uh, so it's bitly bit.ly slash sonic performer i think that's right so yeah use that link which will have gone in the various chats uh if you want to uh, sign up for this or any of the next ones coming up we are getting kind of a, mm -hmm. a good roster of acts so yes please do right i suppose we should get onto some topics shouldn't we because uh i mean we always say this don't we because it's like you know we we, we worry that well, there's only two guests you know we might not have enough to talk about and look it's already <laughs> 15 minutes in and we haven't actually covered anything any news <laughs> apart from bad well not bad news sad news so let's get on some other news shall we so the first one I'm going to go for is uh, this one was kind of interesting. I really like the UI on this. This is uh, called uh, I think it's called Pierstrone or Pierstroni. I'm not quite sure. It's it's a great UI for um, an Ableton uh, reverb. Uh, uh, it's playable reverb and it's just got some really nice UI ideas. Uh, and I just thought it sounded quite interesting as well, which is quite apt because there's a certain amount of um, lexicon vibe about some of this stuff with those little short tickly delays and of course the Arturia LX224 has come out as well but I just thought this was kind of cool and it's all modulatable and stuff and I think you know with reverbs reverbs you know we're often presented with these kind of really cryptic UIs with loads of kind of unfamiliar parameters and I just thought this was a pretty good one I've just realized I haven't written any facts about it I don't know how much it is or who did it that's really stupid of me that's one of the show notes it's super cheap. Go, it's 20, it's yeah. 20, it's 20 euros, I think. Oh, uh, but, right. um, there we go. yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing that makes this really, really nice is that it, you can modulate the parameters, uh, it, and it will sound really good. Uh, as I'm sure many of you are aware, when you try to modulate reverb parameters, especially size, they can you get be a glitchy, lot of yeah. clicking and glitching, you know, unpleasant glitching. Uh, so this, this is really, this sounds really nice to sort of modulate and to, um, so it, it, it's a live, an Ableton live device only, I should mention that. Um, yes. Uh, but it's kind of based I'm, I'm on... I'm fairly sure someone's going to nick an idea from that though, because it's got some nice UI smarts in it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh and uh, the link that you sent through from Create Digital Music is a very interesting article that I'd recommend people read because that led me off on a on a real rabbit hole uh, earlier. Uh, it references a, uh, I think it was a paper or an article that was created in 1997 um, about how to create digital effects that uh, I think many people who work in DSP have used. Um, and I started reading it and it's, uh, it is fascinating. So, um, mm. so the links are on, on create digital music. Uh, but that, it, it, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? With, with reverb, um, it's one of the most powerful musical effects that you have in in your arsenal, and yet it is a very careful balancing act to get it right because if you really can kill things with too much verb, um, typically I, um, with a lot of the productions that that I work on, uh, I'm. I, I, yeah, I think I used to slather things in reverb in the past, mm. but in in more recent times I've been. 
I've been very judicious with reverb and yeah. really, uh, and I think people well, forget. I haven't at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and the opposite. If, you, if you're working on a complex mix, though, it's interesting to use reverb as yeah. a means of, of, of positioning in the sound stage. And the more reverb, the further back it is, the less reverb, the further, you know, to, you know, more to the front that the sound becomes, um, and I seldom use more than minus fifteen dB sort of on a on a reverb send. For, um, that's, that seems mm. to be just around there. That just seems to be the, the the sweet spot for for making the reverb do its thing, but without you consciously hearing it. Um, Interesting. But, you know, but many of us, uh, you know. Sorry, after you. I was just going to say, I, I, because I, I was thinking about this about how that there's a sort of, there's an innate, um, almost like a kind of human subconscious attraction to large reverberant things, and I think it comes down to, you know, the the his, in the history of music, you know, these spaces were built, you know, churches, caverns, uh, cathedrals, castles, they were built to be impressive sonically, as amongst many other things, as well as being an amazing, kind of. Uh, testament to, or in praise of whatever, insert whatever deity you fancy. You know they they have the 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 they support any of the music or any of the things that were said or spoken or sung in them with this kind of amazing space and making them sound ethereal. And they they influence you know so much classical music and early choral music is designed yeah. to be in a specific space. You know and it's really interesting because uh, I work obviously work with the uh, Moog Orchestra and when they play they try and do everyone has a point source and it's all about the room you know you don't want to build the room you know the, the thing i did with them in bristol which was to, for the model d the room was the star of the show i had a i had a, I had a, a blim line pair like 16 feet in the air and that was basically most of the sound you know because it was such a great sounding space so all of these mm. things were sort of composed with that in mind you know and that so i think there's obviously a sort of at a, a kind of primal level we respond well to reverberant spaces it sort of does something uh, which I, I you know I, i'm sure there's a paper on it somewhere but i couldn't tell you what the facts are when I was uh, when I was in Paris back in 2013, I was fortunate enough to go to a number of concerts of the great organist, sadly no longer with us, Jean Guillou, and um, in Saint Eustache Cathedral, uh, right in the centre of Paris, and uh, he was an absolute genius musician. He'd uh, protege of um, Olivier Messiaen, and he. Had, um, he'd been the organist, I think, at Santa Stache since 1964. This beautiful big cathedral, and uh, he'd he'd modified the organ to his uh, uh, in 1989 to his specific. Um, <laughs> wow, you know, that's some clout, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and what was absolutely amazing, I had the, this realization when I was listening, uh, watching him, um, was just how much he knew the the, the 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 acoustics so much so like when he's playing those bass notes and those bass notes were really deep sub bass notes yeah. but he would do these short short um bass notes that he knew the exact reverb times so he could play oh, so the tempo would be def defined right oh, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I kind of realized he wasn't just playing the organ, he was playing the building. Um, wow. And it was probably one of the most amazing musical experiences of, of my life, um, witnessing nice. him playing that, yeah. But, yeah, but just really using that reverb in such a creative way, yeah, I was just, yeah, astonishing. Astonishing, yeah. really. Mm. Nice. Hmm. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, fascinating uh, stuff. The Pierce Drain Reverb for Live, very affordable and uh, worth checking out. I mean, obviously, there is quite a lot of reverbs. I, I did mention the Artoria LX2. Four, which is a, a, a clone of, or, or a, a, an homage, shall we say, to the Lexicon <laughs> 224, which actually Mark um, uh, mentioned that he saw that coming up. And he was saying that the thing about the 224 is it wasn't just the DSP in it. it there was something about the A to D and the D2A that made everything oh. sound amazing. So I, I don't think they've gone to that level because that would be an insane amount of details. So they've obviously gone for the algorithmic stuff and added some extra things. But Or they may have actually done it. But 
but I didn't realise that it had a sound. Just putting something through it without any reverb would really sound a certain way. But these were all um, effects that were outside of my uh, scope of, uh, yeah, my my pay grade, I think, at the time <laughs> that uh, they were about. But lovely thing. Um, okay, well, actually, maybe let's just do... Let, I'm going to try and get the ads right this time. And I want to say, uh, obviously, we've got Gaz with us, a musician and... Um, uh, music technologist, um, but I'll just have a quick mention of uh, um, our friends over at Baby Audio. So uh, hang tight. Yep, they make creative audio effect plugins designed to add colour and depth to your mixes. They won Plugin of the Year 2021 in Future Music and Computer Music Magazine and have been nominated in the SOS Awards two years in a row. Try iHeart New York 2, easy to use parallel compressor for the typical New York sound. Mixture of powerful, transparent, high ratio compression. EQ and adaptive low end filter. Um, if you want to save 15% with the code ST15 on any of their plugins, head to babyaudio.com. And once again, we thank them there for their support. That was a new thing because I've, I've been listening to a lot to uh, other podcasters and what they do is they reintroduce the panel before they do the ads and I thought I'd try that but then there's only one of you so it doesn't quite have the same have the same effect so I, but I didn't at least I didn't mess it up Whee! Hey. I could tick oh, that right. box that's fantastic um, so what's next um, I don't know how you feel about this actually this is I'd be interested because I know you've played this place so this is the um, this is win a headline gig at Green Man Green Man has become I mean it, it was a very uh, alternative festival, isn't it? It's sort of off the beaten track, but it's become extremely popular. It's actually now quite hard to get a ticket, let alone a gig there. And this is yeah. a competition. They, they do it every year, apparently, and it, it just seems to have more resonance because obviously there's going to be a bigger audience. Uh, so it's a, sort of like a battle of the bands and you win essentially... Um, a head well, I don't know if it's a headline. I don't know if it's a Friday or a Saturday night, but you will win a gig there, which means you'll get a couple of tickets and uh, hmm. pass, and you get to play. I don't know if you get paid or anything, but I don't know. It's really hard with festivals, isn't it? Because you sort of want to be involved at some level, but many festivals run on this very uh, lean financial model, which is essentially paying almost no one unless they absolutely have to. And so I don't know how I feel about. It. I mean, in a way, this seems like quite a good idea, um, yeah, because it. It, will it you know bring some more acts in as well well it's uh it's on the green man rising stage I, i've played at most green man uh festivals or if not played i've been at most of them it's uh wales's premium music festival really and it's been you know it, it, it's a it's a fantastic festival one of the things that's great about that particular festival is the lack of corporate sponsorship you just don't see any of that and uh, the the bars oh, nice. are great they're all provided for by uh, different Welsh breweries and, um, you know, uh, alcohol Ooh, makers. Is there a brains bar there? Is there a brains bar there? No, no. Oh, God, no. Brains oh, would probably shame. be still a bit too, yeah. a bit too uh, corporate, yeah, really. You know, these are much more <laughs> catering to much, uh, much uh, more And, and probably too strong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a lovely festival that I, I really recommend. It's, uh, but, but, but. This has been something they've run for many years, though, and there is a stage called oh, the Green okay. Man Rising stage, and this and so right, that makes sense, uh, yeah. you get to play on this. Uh, so this Rising stage is all about showcasing new um, yeah. and upcoming acts, um, and I think it's been really, you know, a really popular and successful uh, thing. Uh, at least ten years, I think it's been it's, they've been doing this. Um, so I think in this particular case, this is something that is, uh, yeah, I tried and sort of tested. Um, approach to, to doing stuff but you're right though i mean festivals are uh they are a, quite a weird thing in themselves that um from an artist's point of view unless you're playing you know unless you're really high up the bill it, it can be quite a slog um glastonbury mm. festival for instance you know yeah. just getting oh, your man. kit across the state you know uh, getting it to the stage can be a you know enormous effort um but uh, but they are an incredibly unique thing to do to perform at festivals, and I'm sure you know the, many of you have yeah. done and will, will concur. Um, but yeah, I think in particular though, Green Man is is worth um, giving a lot of praise to, really, because I think they're they're the way that they do it is um, yeah, the the, the there's a it's it's they don't necessarily go for sort of like the most obvious or commercial um, right. 
possibilities. So there's, there's a very strong sort of artistic element to uh, to the acts, and uh, so I think this is quite this is quite good in that it it does give um, it does give opportunities to acts who are different or are really trying to do something new or doing something mm. that doesn't really that isn't particularly easily pigeonholeable. Um, but it's going to be like British festivals are going to see a big change uh, in recent oh God, yeah. coming up now. <laughs> no in, European in, art, no European acts at all. Well, yeah. American acts. Uh, typically, there's been this uh, thing in Britain where American acts have been coming over, coming over here, taking all our gigs. <laughs> uh, but th- there has been a, a very disport, dispro- dis, uh, I can't say the word, um, disproportionate. Disproportionate, thank you. Disproportionate uh, cost for um, the visas. American acts could come over, and they've been able to come here and play. You know, I think like some, it's been something like fifty quid a visa for per member. Whereas going over to America, it, oh gosh, yes, it, they've just changed it, the haven't they? They've changed it. Yeah, it's really just, hard. They've now just changed it. So American act is going to make it really, really expensive for American acts to come over. Lots of American acts who became who have become well known in America kind of came over to Britain first, got a load of press yeah. and coverage then in Britain, back. and then went back, and then that kind of elevated them. Uh, so I don't know if that if that pathway is going to be. Oh, it's so disappointing. Successful. There's there's a lot there, there's a lot yeah there's a lot going on with that actually. I mean it's weird as we sort of all our borders seem to shrink and we fear. Um, newcomers <laughs> it's sort of applying <laughs> to the arts is a really bad idea so that i know that this is happening certainly um since brexit there's been a lot of difficulties with acts now yeah. getting if you want to play i was talking to darren from underworld last night who uh, yesterday who we met and he said he used to dj a lot in in the uk in the europe um as part of the sort of underworld crew and in his own right and now it's really you if you go you have to be informally invited then you have then they withhold 20 percent of your fee then you've got to yeah. wait 90 days apply for this that and the other then you get it back to the promoter and the promoter will release the 25 percent. it's just so, so incredibly complicated i think so this is inevitably going to uh, start to see we're going to see more virtual events aren't they because if you can't see them live you're going to be able to see yeah. them streaming and that's that that obviously won't be which i guess is a good thing so we're well placed with emon maybe we'll be um riding <laughs> that way i don't know but yeah it's sad yeah. you know, it's sad experiences it's are going sad. to be hard I mean, you're only yeah. ever going to be able to see i don't know so, insert mega band and it's going to cost you 200 quid for a ticket because that their touring costs are going to be yeah. so expensive yeah it's it is sad and Go. i mean festivals are brilliant particularly for getting to see lots of acts to sample lots of acts that you wouldn't ordinarily get the chance to see so it's really sad if there's if there's going to be less uh international stuff going on um but yeah it's uh i always wanted it to be the other way i wanted it i wanted the extortionate um, uh, costs of American visas to come down. You know, I wanted it, uh, that's what I wanted. So it was easier to get over to the States to play, but um, yeah, sadly it's come the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. Protectionists, you know, it goes, it ebbs and flows. It's just a sort <sighs> of policy type. Uh, anyway, mm. we should probably, I try not to stray into politics. It isn't really politics. Mm. It's it's more policy, which is different, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, uh, well, let's let's jump on to another topic. And uh, this is an interesting one. So this is the new uh, Neumann entering the new the audio interface market. Neumann. Uh, this is actually... The manufacturer of studio microphones and is becoming a global reference and monitoring too. Neumann is synonymous with great sound, but so far the portfolio only covered the front end and rear oh, end. Fast forward, he goes on about Neumann products. Here it is. This is the MT48, famous uh, which is for some of the best. Sound. It, it's ba- it's based on Swiss technology. Uh, the company are. Oh gosh, uh, I'm sure I wrote some more notes on this. Oh yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't updated it. It'll come in in a second. Um, <laughs> it's really interesting. I mean, I think um, Neumann. Uh, this is made by uh, a Swiss company for them, and they've kind of branded it and specified it. It's got extremely high uh, resolution uh, 
Still, oh, my notes are, are still. Oh, here we go. Yes, uh, it's got 136 dB range. Uh, it's made, merging technologies. A Swiss company. Uh, they're still priced. It's about two grand, so it's not cheap. It's also mm -hmm. got a fan in it. I noticed. Uh, it's got two headphone outputs with the low impedance, high gain. Uh, AS67, so you can run it. But Neumann have recently their monitors. I think they're called the, the KH310s because we've had some really nice monitors here for a while. And mm -hmm. Silas, the guy who was. Uh, 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 um, came to listen to them uh, and thought they were great. These were the Graham Audio ones. He was also raving about the Neumanns, and I went over to uh, uh, Newton Park where he's uh, uh, the tech there, and I saw them, and their studio monitors, they're still quite expensive, two grand each, but people are saying they sound absolutely amazing. So I'm mm -hmm. guessing, you know, the Neumann are obviously entering in, rather than like SSL and uh, Audient, who are kind of trying to get these lower, low, lower cost, but sort of brand association they're just going for the keeping it real keeping it you know high end this looks quite interesting i mean i think you know the 136 db range is mm. astonishing really and i i'm I mean, and it's got a usb-c uh interface and it, yeah still it still costs about two grand i don't know this looks like it could be if you had digital monitors and you could just plug them in and you you, you know or you're using the this looks like it could be an interesting thing i mean they're generally not that exciting i realize audio interfaces <laughs> but uh see i fill your boots guys see how you can <laughs> <laughs> well um yeah so i've i've uh, i have heard those neumann monitors and they are exceptionally good and I'm a huge fan of Neumann microphones, although I sadly don't own any, but every time I've, I've used them for many, many years, and there's always this beautiful musicality to Neumann products. So it, this makes complete sense. And as the guy was saying there, with them having monitors and microphones, having the bit in the middle does kind of make a lot of sense. And, you know, if, with that Neumann branding on there, you, you know you're going to be in for you know top quality so yeah the price point is interesting because it's yeah it's almost it's a desktop like, interface isn't it i mean yeah i mean you know you know um i remember when apogee launched their various ones which uh were maybe four times as expensive as uh equivalent ones in terms of um feature set and now this one is twice or three times as expensive but maybe four times as expensive as as other ones however it's one of those things so it's it it's such an important part of a studio setup um that kind of investment especially if you're working professionally um i, I after you've after you've got one used one for a while and you're not going to regret that money i don't think because uh you, you you could be the confidence that you'll have of having that knowing that you've got that side of things sorted that there's not really anything better than that that actually goes a long way in terms of confidence inspiring um but it does look like a really nice unit to use with a mixture of hardware buttons and touchscreen yeah there's a lot of touchscreen uh, stuff actually yeah just looking at this i'm mm. just trying to see what the actual so it's got oh gosh it's it's got two, I mean, it's got two mic amps plus ADAT. So it's pretty, exactly. I mean, we're talking, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're, I guess we're talking in the region of, you know, you might buy an API 500 series or a Neve 19-inch rack, yeah. which is, would just have two mic preamps. We're talking that right. sort of level of cost, but with obviously oh, yeah. all that additional functionality. Yeah, so it's pretty audio. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, this is, this is expensive for what it is. However, uh, you know, to reiterate that thing, you just, you know, that that kind of confidence that you'll get from it a friend of mine bought a a um a prism interface a, a few years back you know and i was trying to sort of, you know go well this you're paying a lot of money there but he for him i think it was that thing just so he knew he had a you know a standard there um so i think that has that does have validity uh this particular unit though i mean it, it, it I, I think the ergonomics are really nice i mean that kind of sort of champagne gold look sort of just does kind of give it plenty of bling factor but i got i tell you what though there is something very very annoying about it and that is it's got midi on quarter inch jack <laughs> oh, for come on. quarter inch jack what the hell <laughs> i know so it's just like oh god we've you know we've finally ha accepted that midi on you know um 
18th jack or you know the 3.5 millimeter midi does have some good purposes uh you know with that caveat that it comes out really really easy which is one of the worst things about it you know good midi din plugs they they stick in well, don't they? But yeah, midi on on uh, quarter inch jack just seems annoying. Uh, but that oh, is a multi. Dumb, yeah, well, but the reason for it, I think, though, is that they are kind of um, they're using that socket, so it can also be a GPIO socket. So you could. Yes, you there is MIDI. that. It's got Ethernet as well. Uh, so yeah, thinking. yeah. So the yeah the Ethernet uh, port on there is um, what's the format, Nick? You might. Um, AES sixty seven, I think, is uh, yeah AES sixty seven. So, so it can talk to lot. You know, it can handle high track counts much, much more than it's got an ADAP port on there as well. But the uh, the track counts DSP four internal mixers with sophisticated EQ dynamics processing and reverb. That when you consider running that across maybe the ADAP inputs and 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 getting that additional uh, processing that's kind of interesting because i'm guessing that might work standalone so you know i am really interested in these ideas of of sound, sound devices that work as audio interfaces but also have um, onboard stuff that's why we use the yeah. pod i mean i keep banging on about the podtrack p4 it's a recorder <laughs> and an audio interface at the same time you know that's really handy and there was that relic thing that we looked at uh, which was a sort of box of io which i was has dsp for routing but i was really hoping it might have a little bit of you know uh, eq and and, and whatnot because then that would make it just like it's just a box that you can make it do whatever you want yeah. so this is yeah but yeah it's expensive it does look very nice though i have to yeah say. i mean i think but then i think having aspirational equip you know things it, it isn't such a bad thing really you know you, you, oh <laughs> don't know what happened there. You, you, you're gonna be able to get your work done on this for sure and uh um yeah, it's expensive, but highly yeah. desirable. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I don't know what happened with the music coming in there. That was my first technical snafu of the day, though, so that's pretty good, and we're almost a half an hour in. So, I mean, I don't really know what else to say. I think that's pretty good. Anyway, what I'll do is uh, we'll just have another word from our friends over at Isotope. Thank you very much for their support. It's much appreciated. Ozone 10 is the future of mastering. The new version includes Master Assistant, match your master to any reference file or files. Also, the stabilizer module in advance adds clarity with intelligent and adaptive mastering EQ. Also included is the impact module in advanced, which enhances the rhythm by controlling microdynamics. Don't forget the code SONIC10 at isotope.com forward slash SONICTALK to save an additional 10% off any software purchase, not including subscriptions. Mm. And as I always say, if you go to that page, it'll give you the, this is the page of that represents us on their website. We are very much appreciative of that. And that 10% is often applies, or it seems to apply at any point, even if there's already a sale. So well worth it if you're looking to yeah. uh, save a bit of cash. Um, okay. So, so just about Sorry, that the ozone, ozone 10 stabilizer. I'm just that is amazing. I'm completely sold on it. I've been doing a, quite that? a bunch of, Stabilizer. Sorry, which what do, I, I should say what that does. What stabilizer module adds clarity and inter oh, so like an adaptive EQ. Uh, yeah, and, and like I've mentioned yeah. to you before, you know how that trick that I've always done in my mastering with dynamic EQ, just just putting random mo nodes in there, just to kind of essentially create lots of animation in the frequencies, just right. slightly. It does that, and it just does it so well. And like uh, if you just do an A B between. Um, uh, between your masters with that on and with it off it's one of those things that will you know when you engage it it's not necessarily super obvious in the sound it's not like you're getting a big treble it's more obvious when you turn it off <laughs> when you turn it's off it, I, I i've said these before it's a fg fgs p i b Oh, that's the world's worst ac like acronym, yeah. I think. Uh, <laughs> button, which is a for goodness sake, put it back on button. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. Uh, anyway, yes, we we very much do appreciate the support, and it's uh, you know it's clear that we use their stuff. In fact, the sound of Neutron is the sound of this podcast. Um, well, mm. no, actually, 
the sound of this podcast is in part due to Neutron, which is across the master bus on the way out. It's just very, very useful for that. Um, okay, right. What shall we get on to next? Let's take a look at the uh, the low. Uh, well, should we do the log and then maybe we'll do some questions, maybe if there are some coming in. Remember, QQ in the, in the comments if you want a question for either myself or Gaz. Probably more likely Gaz, to be honest. Uh, here we go. So this is a cut. This is a new or universal controller. Basically, uh, it's on Kickstarter. Uh, it's essentially all those knobs and buttons have little LED displays that do look a bit. Uh, it says Logue. They actually look like the original Logue. To regain that analog feeling while making music, it is a customizable MIDI controller that lets you create and edit any mapping for any instrument. With its screens, you can make your own layout and see what you are doing without having to break out of your creative flow. Hey, people, yes, I have to say, not the greatest Kickstarter video I've ever seen, but uh, mm -hmm. the initial bit's really interesting. And and uh, but it's quite an interesting idea. It's going to be about um, five nine fine euros, and that you basically run the plugin with with it, uh, the plugin you want. And you just kind of go, I want this mapped here, this mapped here, this mapped here, this mapped here, and it then it becomes a universal controller. And each of those little displays has a kind of um, a, a window with a value and a slider. And I think I'm not sure whether those um, colours around the windows are fixed and screen printed or whether you can change those because that would actually be very useful for zoning because it is essentially a matrix of boxes i mean a matrix of knobs i mean i've used uh sometimes you use a synthesizer a knobby synthesizer shall we say like you know you've used to use the uh, what was the the sledge because it's got loads of knobs on it you could use that as a midi controller and envelopes so you know most synths have got envelopes so for that sort of thing yeah. there's a kind of a, a, a quite an easy way to do this this feels like a little bit you know we're looking again for this sort of holy grail of universal controller that just works in any instance and i i don't know whether this is it or not but it does look like quite a nice thing again from the netherlands uh is interesting not utrecht this time but uh still still kind of uh off yeah well i think one of the things that makes this look nice is it just looks like a very solid quality piece of gear yeah. a lot of midi controllers tend to not have that premium sort of side of things um uh i think it seems to i think it'll automatically map stuff and like if you use ableton live it'll i think it's i think ableton live i think is maybe one of its real main targets i think um mm. uh, and this idea then because there's little mini screens above every knob then that you can turn away from the screen or turn your screen off and really focus on things using the knobs um yeah it looks really good i think it seems to be priced kind of fairly uh, i'm always a little bit worried with things like this that maybe kickstarter just the the amount of ongoing support and updates and it being able to be um supported for you know it, it looks like it's a like a like a unit for the ages it's so beautifully made so you, you know it really needs to have that software support that the longevity of software support as well which is always slightly worrying with kickstarter type products because of um mm. you know that that side of things now i mean i don't really know anything about that so i can't I, I, you know i can't really say but um i've used uh I was, yeah this thing i've shown this a few times um yeah that looks interesting yeah it does look and it's it's uh this i know it's not plugged in or switched on though <laughs> How no, useful because, is it? <laughs> no that's a good point no, because, no, because it's actually i'm repurposing it at the moment um but i i've used it on i've used it for a bunch of things uh as he as i as he wipes the dust off the screen uh the electro <laughs> one <laughs> uh that's right, yeah yeah Don that's was really, really cool. keen on that wasn't he, he thought it was fantastic yeah, he was and yeah, it robbie, is. robbie as well yeah, it's really good. The um, and that's got a combination essentially similar in as much as the, it's got knobs and a sc well, in this case, one big screen, but the screen and the knobs uh, kind of work together. Um, however, it the thing that's so frustrating, not frustrating, but what I tend to find is I tend to find that uh, I I try all these different co controllers out, but typically just go back to using the mouse and, and um 
It's the setup, isn't it? Because it's never yeah. set up in the way you want. And so before you start using it, you have to go, oh, well, just map this up. And then it's then you've sort of lost the you've lost it. I think they're trying to say with this one, it will auto it'll auto map. And if you. Yes, it'll it will. Up. Well, it, but, it doesn't auto it, map. What it, as Wagyu okay. said, this is a, a very apposite comment. And Wagyu said, this is the one with the dubious claim and enter MIDI mapping. And they have a tutorial video saying how to MIDI map, which I think is a fair <laughs> point. What it does yeah. is you have a plugin mm -hmm. and you have to click and, and auto mapping. What that does is just basically auto next. So you go this one, this one, this one, and it just goes through. So it saves a few mouse clicks. So it's not quite, it's not like MIDI 2.0 where it goes, okay, what you got? Okay, here's what you can give you it's not that yeah. so, i mean you know. i was when i first saw this i was hoping that it was going to be a midi 2.0 device uh i couldn't see anything about midi 2.0 and uh, it still still feels that people are reticent to embrace it uh so um but yeah but again i can imagine if you had specific ideas in mind for it uh it, it looks like maybe the best thing out there for for certain roles um although i was also thinking that the behringer bcr 2000 um yeah is that's coming that's back, even worse that, is it well, uh, well uh, i mean what one. they need for that is software because if it's got i mean any midi controller this is the yeah. thing that you find. And this is, we've been around this cycle. We've had auto map. We've had all of these other things. And yes. what happens is everybody goes, this will solve the problem. And then it sort of does, yeah. but still there's an, there's quite a lot of IT going on. And you still then have to stop and map it up and figure out whether it's saved with the template, saved with the song, saved with the patch. Yeah. And then it's sort of like, it's never quite exactly what you want. It's always nearly what you want. Uh, unless you feel, I mean, whereas for, for me, you know, I built an interface in uh, MIDI, MIDI Touch, MIDI Designer Touch or MIDI Designer, I can't, I can't remember what it was on the iPad. I've still got an original iPad one over there that is running the entire um, <coughs> studio, which I still use. And I built an interface and I did, it, I put a lot of time and I haven't changed it for, for, for years, but now it, wow. and it works. It would be better if it was hardware, but it's not. But you still have to put the time in to get it to do what you want. And if you're constantly changing the, the way you do what you then you actually spend a lot of time fiddling around and reprogramming it and mapping and learning and all of those things and then it that's the thing that's the problem but i don't see how how does it how can it not be that because it's essentially like you know if you're programming a set you program a set you put all the work in programming in the set and then you tweak it during rehearsals and then you use it like that for mm -hmm. i don't know a world tour or the month or the you know whatever <laughs> a long time so yeah. there's a sort of payback you know you're not going to be re you don't want every gig to be going you know what i'm going to completely remap everything because i fancy forgetting all that muscle memory <laughs> i put in you know yeah. but in the creative process it's a very different you have a different set of requirements i suppose is what i'm uh, what i mean uh, yeah i mean Again, I think though, but but some people will see this and they will, and I think it will really excite them. Um, but I did yeah. notice though that the Kickstarter goal is it's quite all high. or nothing. It's one hundred and thirty really grand. High. Yeah, I was trying yeah. to load the page, but it's all it's giving me is this, which is a really mm. weird page. It's like I have to do this, and I thought, oh, maybe this is a sort of capture, yeah. but it doesn't actually nothing up. So I can't actually show you what that is. Uh, they're at twenty grand, and they've got fifteen days to go. I think it closes on the uh, yeah. what does it say? So I, I you know, um, April twentieth. It might be a bit tight for that. Well, I hope that I do hope they do it though, because it does it does look. I mean, I think it. As I was mentioning, for some people, it's going to be almost like the answer to their dreams, I think, for some people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, again, I'm just, to, you know, that's the fact well, that it's got it, a, yeah, exactly. premium, a premium feeling. Yes. Side, you know, a pre that's that side good. of it, I think, that, that bit and then, gives um, it... But then Sorry. you go back to the Chompy uh, Kickstarter. The, did you see the mm. thing that which was oh God, a funny little song? That's done a million. It's done a million quid. Yeah. A million quid. I mean, that yeah. is insane. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, so they're probably looking that, at that going, hmm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but the Chompy, you know, I think the thing about the Chompy, which makes it really attractive, is just that all in one. It just is what it is. And it's, uh, and I think, I, I think a lot of people have looked at that and just gone, oh, actually, I really want that immediacy. I just I want, want it that. to be... Well, that, that, that actually supports my point, which is they don't want to mess around programming it up, 
MIDI learning. And right. Although we did talk about it at the time, it was such a nice piece of hardware that if it could be repurposed to output sort of like uh, Stream Deck type button control stuff or hmm. MIDI commands that meant that you got the benefit of those nice hardware kind of clicky clacky buttons and the alpha control and stuff and use it to control other things, it would just mean another use for it. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I wish these guys luck, but I'm just not sure. Yeah. I mean, looking at the numbers of that compared to Chompy, it does look like mm-hmm. they might be uh, a bit glum at the end of the month. But I hope, I mean, like you say, I hope that yeah. I hope it does happen. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, and yeah, get a best look to them. And uh, yeah, um, and I, I think they probably could do with better. Uh, you're right. I could do with a better video. Uh, having a lot of people just going, "Wow." isn't well and and talking in a very roomy room with uh with not any close Uh, mics i mean audio audio is everything absolutely Mm -hmm. everything uh uh, as we know which is why we are quite happy to put out crappy video with great audio um, (laughs) because that works better than great video with crappy audio you know so yeah anyway well maybe they'll uh maybe they'll learn and 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 come back i I, or or it'll just work i don't know i hope so it'd be good if it did um okay well i guess we could uh um let me see uh um we could do some questions i'm just not sure what uh uh, what I've got, because there's, uh, oh, yeah, here we go. Let's just try this one. Uh, what are your in-ear monitors and what would you recommend? I'll do that because um, I can. So this is a question from the from the chat. This is from Synchrotron via YouTube. Uh, what are your in-ear monitors? Uh, yes, there are these things, which are actually really cheap um uh off amazon they're just basically if you just look for in-ear monitors on amazon they're about 20 quid and uh you can buy the three these are three driver or two driver ones and you can get five driver ones i think ty bought the more expensive one they're just chinese kind of knockoff things but the thing to look at look for i think if i bring it i might be able to make this work is they've got this this control this so you have this so they're basically they've got this little sort of snap on and they, because they're affordable, I've got several pairs now. Oh no, I can't see it properly to play. I think <laughs> I use them for um, I use them for shows. So I, I've got me in ears, and because they're kind of a good fit, they're kind of low profile, and also they block out a certain amount of sound. But they're really not very expensive at all. You can spend a lot of money on these things. They're surprisingly good, I suppose. I don't know if you have you tried them. I don't know if you're an in ear monitor kind of guy. I just uh, you know, I, some people don't get I, on with them. I've used all sorts for any years um, over uh, over the years, including um, West Tone ones, which I had specially fitted, which had five drivers in them, um, and they were like really good. Uh, but you know, you've got to get a, with those things. You get a little tool, and you've got to pick the earwax out carefully. Oh yeah, yeah. And what I did I, was I accidentally tried to do it I, carefully, and I poked the earwax down and they've never been quite the same because i think the earwax much like your ears when you do that but that's the other thing putting these in your ears constantly uh you end up Um, doing the same in reverse and you end up blocking out and it's well i had an awful thing happen to me on on a show that i was working on during the rehearsals and that was an in-ear show and uh and i was using these ones um a tiamotic or i can't remember something like that they're called and uh because i was teching on the show as well i was having to take them out a lot to listen to when people coming up asking me questions and i took one out and it left the foamy uh, in the ear canal i had to have the nurse come and you know under light and have them um, uh, and that had got stuck in my ear canal and that was really worrying and uh so you do have to be very careful with those kind of things. And also something I would absolutely recommend hugely is having the control for the volume on you on a belt pack or something. Yeah. Um, and it, I've done shows where you, you haven't got control over that. And uh, it's horrible. It feels horrible. Oh yeah. It? Well, I mean, I suppose I'm, I'm. I don't think you know. These, I suppose these would work as in ears. I mean, they're just called in ear monitors, but they're they're just headphones that are useful for streaming because they're low profile and I can. They're just tiny. They're not very expensive, and they've got good volume and quite a decent um, range. I, I I mean, I would. I don't know if I'd want to use. Um, 
in-ear monitors live, I think it takes quite a lot of getting used to, doesn't it? Because you have to it sort of, does. you're basically giving, you need someone who's going to be able to do that monitor mix and you trust them not yeah. to blow your head off. Oh, yeah, it's, and I think, it is. It, it, it is it's, it's, however, you know, you do get that huge advantage then of like the rehearsal and then the gig, everything's, you get, the you know, same. you can get your mix yes. exactly the same, and no, but of course you need to have uh, audience microphones. I've done shows without. Them oh yes, yes, horrible. of course. It really is horrible if you, you know, just disconnected. Everyone's clapping, and it's like, it's just weird, you know. Um, but yeah, it's a strange one. I when I did the uh, Carl Hyde Underworld thing, I was used to using. I was just using big over-the-ear headphones, much like this, um, rather than having the little in-ear ones. Um, and that and was great. I was really happy. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's a funny one. It is a funny one. Um, but, of course, do you remember, of, I mean, not that I particularly want to remember it, I the one time I used my posh in-ears on the show was the time when I... Uh, oh, you couldn't hear anything. I oh, kind of pulled on a yeah. mic stand and, and, it, and it smashed the sledge and everyone else heard it, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so well, there it, is that. That's it's fully blocked out all the outside sound. Um, well, I, wa I was going to say that uh, I, could, uh, I could show you the link, but I've just tried to look it up on Amazon for the ones that I've got, and now my browser's <laughs> crashed, which is a bit of a problem oh. because I'm actually using the browser <laughs> to run the show. So if I quit <laughs> my browser because the page has become unresponsive, then I might actually end up in a situation where... Uh, we have to abort the show, which I don't really want to do. Obviously, that would be bad. But I can still run some more questions. So maybe we'll do another question or two, uh, assuming, uh, oh, you swine. Mm. No, everything is gone. That is oh, no. really, that's not so good, is it? I suppose what I could do is uh, I could just go, you know what, I'm going to quit while I'm ahead because if I relaunch the browser, I have to bring, that means I have to reconnect. Uh, and, and, and I'd just like to point out this technical issue is not my fault. It's Chrome has just decided to, to, to go you, crazy. You mentioned, you did mention at the top of the show about the sad passing of Rauchi Saka, uh, yeah, Sakamoto. And, uh, and that kind of comes quite soon after we lost, uh, Yukihiro Takahashi as well, yeah. another member of the Yellow Magic Orchestra. And, uh, and I, and this is, been really sad for me because I'd in recent times just become really a bit obsessed with the Yellow Magic Orchestra um and you know been aware of them for ages but not really delved that deeply into them and um and the album the 1979 album Solid State Survivor which was hugely influential on a lot of the hip-hop uh you know emerging wow. hip-hop um, mantronics and um uh i need to i need to check it out i'm really really not uh all that uh, familiar with it i need to i need to go and do some excavating i think the thing about that i mean and that album in particular and and of course this this absolutely relates to how amazing uh Reichi sakamoto was um was it feels like Japan was really the confidence. There was a confidence in Japan, I think, that following, I think, uh, there was a lot of humiliation after the Second World War and, and things in the 1960s made in Japan was synonymous with cheap and low quality. Uh, but that absolutely changed, didn't it, throughout the 1970s? Um, yeah, well, mostly uh, due to Sony, really, wasn't it, at the time? Sony became this kind of super mega brand with all the best all the best stuff you know best stuff i mean so you know and certainly by the 1980s japanese products totally you know, dominated music technology for instance but i also feel that 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 confidence filtered into music and none more so than with yellow magic orchestra and that oh. album um solid state survivor it, it's just bristling with this incredible, optimistic, powerful uh, energy, positive energy. Um, and oh, it just jumps out the speakers. It's just a, um, and wow. It, and proved I'll to be. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. And well, I did they, they were like maybe the biggest Japanese band um, 
well, I don't know, uh, internationally, I don't know if, if the sales mm, maybe. kind of, but, uh, but just in terms of influence is, is, is huge. Um, and of course, obviously, Rauchi went on and had many, many, many successes in, in all the other fields in which he worked in. But, um, but I think specifically that point in time, 1979, uh, I think is a really interesting era. And uh, yeah, I think Solid State Survivor is possibly the crowning achievement of that uh, time. Um, some great concerts as well on, that you can watch on YouTube of the, of the band from, that, from around that time as well. And uh, still really exciting. I found it really exciting to watch them. Uh, oh, but yeah, I'm gonna have to go and do that. I need, I need, to, I need to spend some time um, on on that. I think, yeah, I need to, I need to do that. I, I do. For me, um, I really mm. became aware of his stuff. I think it was more uh, when he collaborated with uh, David Sylvian in Japan. Yeah, Bambi music, uh, uh, just like beautiful, beautiful. Uh, I think I, I actually think I might play that at my funeral, um, specify <laughs> that when I when I finally uh, finally need to. Um, and then of course, uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence and the, the, the music for Sheltering Sky and that just yeah. loads of great, great sound. And, but he mm. was a really good pianist. That's the thing. And I, I didn't really yeah. know this. I mean, he was a very accomplished and the Revenant as well, didn't he? He did the music, yes. a lot of the music for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just... Just really, uh, really good at capturing um, the right emotion. And across yeah. a wide range of disciplines, you know, music, classical music, piano music, class, you know, electronic music, all sorts of stuff. And he was just, yeah. So go and listen mm -hmm. to some Ryuichi Sakamoto. In fact, that's my homework. I'm going to go and listen to <laughs> some of the... Um, yeah. Some of the Yellow Magic Orchestra. So, I, yeah, mm. I will check that. Solid State Survivor. Okay. That's yeah, a that's a good, a good place to start as any, I think. Yeah. Nice. Okay, well, I think I'm going to quit because I literally I will have to completely restart the show, and I just I think uh, as it's <laughs> we've got to good. five o'clock, I won't I, I won't do that, and I'm sorry if I didn't get around to any more questions. Uh, there will be no show next week because I'm going to be uh, um, in Anaheim. We're going to be doing the the Nam show, and I'm not taking all enough kit because it's become so expensive to fly now. Even just take that you you used to get a carrier, you used to get a check piece of luggage when you flew. To, transatlantic not anymore you have to pay an additional 100 quid a ticket to take a suitcase so i'm trying to travel light um just enough um to be able to get which is one of the advantages of, of the streamlined rigs that we've got it means that we can probably do it all in carry-on which is is good and have clean clothes which is you know no mean feat so guys thank you so much for joining us so you're going to do a stream tonight right yes i am i am i wasn't planning to but i think it's a I think it's a good. I think I should. <laughs> so um, yes, I will. Uh, and I'm. I'm just trying to decide what I'm going to make this show on. I, I'll try and avoid your Iraq. <laughs> um, ah, I know what I'm going to cover. If anyone is interested, is I've recently got hold of a Boss GT1000 Core, which is a multi-effects pedal aimed at guitarists. But I've, as I've discovered, it is a really good. Uh, multi-purpose digital effects unit for any well more than wow. that actually you can use it because it's got like two stereo well it's got a stereo in and stereo out but it's got two independent um send and returns but you can actually use that as a stereo send and return now there's not many things that will allow you to do that to send to send out in stereo return stereo you know in a small pedal format Proper, so yeah. as a live kind of hub for uh like a synth or keyboard rig it's really good and also one of the things that makes it really really good is that when you go into the input settings you've got eight presets for different instruments now i've got lots of different guitars passive ones and active ones which have got widely different uh, outputs ah. um, and what's really good is you can set like a, like you can set a global input uh, and it gives you a little VU meter now most things don't most things you just don't know what it's you know what what it's seeing so right and then you can name eight so I've been going through some of my different bases some of my passive ones and some of my active ones and um creating uh well i think i've only just done it i've only done it once so uh, at the moment but that's what i'm going to do i'm going to work through my different instruments so i can use it with my different instruments and 
and then all you you know and then you just go in and just choose which which input you're using so so if you wanted to have something that you could use for multiple purposes uh then this is really good so i'm going to explore whether i can um put you know really hot line level stuff in and whether i can then say as a preset well, yeah. which you can, and just so, so I had a bit of a light bulb moment going. This is actually a really good, uh, a really good uh, digital hub, as I say. I had the Eventide H90 here. Possibly it was meant to be for reviewing, but I didn't get on with it. Uh, the, you know, great sounding thing, but I felt that they missed a trick with how it how the routing works. It's got some kind of interesting routing that you can do, but actually this. This Boss GT1000 actually is is a I would I would say it's maybe I mean obviously it doesn't have those even tight algorithms which is the main selling point after all but but just in terms of something that is a really powerful way of um, keeping your uh, you know uh, and, and what you can also do is you can store that in uh, you can you can store a preset with um, the in uh, the input to be global, or you can set or store per preset. preset. Ah, per preset. That, yes, that's handy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See yeah. what I mean? So, so yeah, we'll nice. Okay, guys. Well, I, I'm sure um, that people will be fascinated by that. So, thank you very much for letting us know. Um, you'll be on later. Um, but that's it for this week. Uh, well, I usually go here, but it's going to be a bit weird because there's only two of us. But anyway, I, I do hope uh, everybody has a good week. Like I say, we'll be yeah. back. Um, I guess the week of the fifth. Uh, post NAM. So, uh, if you've got any um, thing you want us to check us out, uh, check out NAM. Do let us know. We'll do all the usual stuff. There'll be the live blog. There'll be uh, all the usual things that we do, and hopefully, we'll be getting that stuff out to you as soon as we possibly can. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you very much. We'll see you on the other side of NAM. Take care, everybody. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>